Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. This morning we're looking at living out our purpose. Last week we touched a little bit uh, on this, but I want to just labor a little bit more into this uh, uh, and dig deeper into this truth today. Living out our purpose. Oftentimes our relationships are, are taking a strain because we're not living out our purpose. Oftentimes, more often than not, our relationships are, are, are challenging or we're in challenging situations because we are not living out our purpose. Why do I mean... Um, by that we, we become bored in a sense because we're not living out our purpose so we've got relationship strains as the proverb goes not from the bible just a proverb in general um, idle hands are the devil's workshop idle hands are the devil's workshop maybe you've got relationship strain today because you're not living out your purpose you've got idle hands and so your your life has become a devil's workshop doesn't mean that you're going to hell guys so just breathe but it means that you might be experiencing hell you're on earth through your relationships. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Think about it. How much were you focused on Jesus, his love for you and his purpose and calling for your life the last time you had a fallout with a friend or family member? How much were you thinking about Jesus, focused on his calling and purpose for your life the last time you had a fallout with a friend or family member? Probably very little, right? Because it's in those moments where we forget who we are, what we've been called for, that we encounter strong relationship strengths. Let's dig into this a little bit more because some of you don't believe me. You think I'm making up things that's uh, invalid and that uh, shouldn't be talked about at church. I love this. The Holy Spirit uh, gave me this. And how do I know it was the Holy Spirit? Because it rhymes. No, I'm just joking, I, obviously, but rhymes, it's not necessarily Holy Spirit, but uh, it sounds cool. You won't be stressing if you focus on being a blessing, um, or you can uh, apply that to our relationships. You won't be, uh, your relationships won't be stressing or under stress if you focus on being a blessing. And it's super simple, I know, so it can't be Bible, right? No. The Bible is super simple. The message of the gospel, the calling of God in our lives is super simple. Matthew, let's go to the Bible uh, before you start throwing stones. Matthew 26 verse 41. Keep watch and pray. What should we do? Keep watch and pray. Why? So that we will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing but the body is weak. So there's a specific context obviously to this uh, passage of scripture. But the truth still holds in every situation. In life, if we're keeping watch and we are praying, we will not fall into temptation. In relationships, when we are focused on engaging in prayer for the lost and advancing God's kingdom, we cannot fall into relationship temptations we normally fall into. Jealousy, comparison, bitterness, having spe speculative imaginations. Oh, I wonder why they did that. They said, said this and they had a funny tone or, or they looked at me funny or they, they didn't greet me at church. Obviously, none of us, we've never had those thoughts. <laughs> when we watchful and we engaged in prayer and our calling and the mission that God has called us to, we will not fall into the temptation of all of these speculative imaginations, bitterness, comparisons and whatnot that put a strain on our relationships. I know it's too simple, so it can't be true. It is simple and it is true. 
And I've experienced this. I know I can identify when I've got relationship strain or strife, even with Catherine. Imagine that a pastor has a relationship strife with his wife. It happens, guys. And in those moments, I can identify every time where there's relationship strife, it's when we are not focused on our calling and the mission. Every single time. Go and test this. Go and look back. The next time you have a fallout, stop for a moment and ask yourself, when last did I think about Jesus and prayed for the lost and prayed for God to be revealed through me to the people around me? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 to 2. This is super simple and uh, all of you guys can experience a lot of thriving relationships if you just embrace these simple truths. And myself including. But the truth remains the truth. It's a matter of whether we're going to accept the truth and yield to the truth whether it's going to produce results and fruit in our lives. John 8 verse 32 says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you don't know the truth, then that knowing is not just intellectual knowing. It's intimate. It's personal. It's heart revelation. If you come to have a revelation of these truths that we're talking about this morning and you're embracing them as your truth, because we need to uh, um, accept Jesus as Lord over our lives. He is Lord. God is God. No one's going to change that. But it's only when you accept Him as Lord over your life that you get to experience salvation and relationship with Him. So we need to uh, respond to these truths. So Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 2 says, For as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go. Say let go. go. Say let go like you mean it. Let go. Let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation on Jesus who births faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So what's the sin we so easily fall into? If you're thinking about the actions of sin, then you're already down the wrong, the wrong uh, lane. If you're focusing on lust, anger, jealousy, covetousness in your relationships, you're already down, down the, long, the wrong lane because that's an old covenant mindset, focusing on sin, trying to not sin, trying to be better, trying to live holy based on works. The new covenant mindset isn't focused on sin, but it's focused on Jesus. It's not focused on the problem, it's focused on the solution. Sinful action is a problem. Amen? Husbands, wives, sinful action is a problem. Nudge your wife in the, in the, in the rib. Um, it's a problem. Living in sin. Living self-centeredly. But the solution is Jesus. Yielding to His Spirit inside of you. It's not by focusing and trying to fix the problem. That's the old covenant mindset. Trying to live holy. Trying to do, do, do. But we need to start believing in Jesus and what He's accomplished for us. Because ultimately the only sin that we can fall into and the sin that the world will be judged for is the sin of unbelief. Because the sin of unbelief is actually the sin which leads to all other kinds of, of sin. For example, in relationships and, and living out our purpose, 
It's the unbelief of what God has called me to as a son and living that out that is causing relationship strives. Me falling into comparison. Me not being watchful in prayer. It's because I don't believe that God has called me as a son to eradicate darkness in this world through His Spirit inside of me. That's the sin of unbelief that leaves all other kinds of sin in our lives. And so we need to deal with that. Receiving Christ and then growing in and trusting Him. Believing on Him. Not doubting that God has given us, His, given us His Spirit to live in us and through us. This is our biggest challenge in relationships, being sin conscious and not Christ conscious. Now I want to add, when people use or abuse us and they hurt us purposefully with intent, we need to take that situation to, to God and allow Him to bring healing to our hearts. We're not just pretending and kind of pushing things aside. That's not what we're calling, that's not what we're talking about in relationships. But oftentimes we want to run to everyone else but God when we go through relationship strife or challenge. And that goes for everything in life, challenges or whatever we, we, we uh, go through. God needs to be the first person that we go to with the challenge, with the problem. And in prayer, asking Him, are, are you the problem? Imagine that. You might be the problem. Some of you don't believe me. Wow. <laughs> you might be the problem. It's fine to say amen. You might be the problem. Just take that to heart. If you're the problem, you can change, guys. If you're not the problem, then it's a little bit more difficult, right? Because you can't change someone else. For some reason, it seems like this message isn't blessing you guys. Um, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with the message, so you need to change your hearts and allow it to uh, minister to you and uh, set you free. We need to bring... If we're also going through challenges, after we've brought it to God and someone has hurt us and, and it's really uh, creating... Um, hurt in our hearts after bringing it to God we can also bring it to the family in the sense of asking for prayer not asking for for them to be removed from the family that's not God's heart asking for you for prayer for your heart to change towards the person because again you cannot change the person you can change your heart and how you're responding to the person and that's more important because Proverbs is full of examples of, of, of uh, how we love those who curse us and, and bless them. And it puts a coal of, of fire on their heads. And then Jesus also says, like, bless those who curse you. Speak well of them. Give them gifts. So if you're starting uh, to receive a lot of gifts, then you know why. <laughs> People give me a lot of gifts now that I think of it. <laughs> Man. Hopefully that's not the reason why they're giving me a lot of gifts. <laughs> From Hebrews chapter 12, I want to just draw out three, um, three applica applica applications here to our relationship specifically. And uh, we saw the first one, living let go lives in our relationships. Let it go. And there's obviously a specific context here to, to Hebrews chapter 12. But again, this truth of letting it go and not holding on to will enable you to have more thriving relationships. Letting it go and uh, bringing our worries to Him. Then secondly, live a let go life by believing in Him and His faithfulness. Because again, when we are convinced of and we, we continually reminded of His goodness, His calling over our lives and we're fully convinced by it. Not half convinced, not just convinced on a Sunday morning when there's a good word and good worship, then we're convinced. No, being fully convinced, even in our own personal time, when 
we go for a walk on our own or when we go to work, being convinced fully 24-7 will enable us to live let-go lives because we don't have time to hold on to grudges. It will hinder you passive in your ministry. It will prevent you from living out your calling by holding on to a grudge, allowing bitterness to wound your hearts. We need to let go of the wounds. And it's easier to do that when we are focused on our mission and what God has called us to and believing that. Then the third application, focusing on Jesus, what He has accomplished and made available to us and fully surrendering to His purpose for our lives. That's awesome. Jesus endured great pain and agony and suffering by looking to a joy that was set before Him. And Stephen, the first martyr, did the same thing. Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. It wasn't people that were just mean to him and saying ugly things about him, spreading lies about him. It was people that were throwing rocks at him, not pebbles. Rocks in order to kill, not to just hurt. That's supernatural. Why could Stephen do that? Because he's living his life on mission. He's living out his purpose, his calling. And some of you are looking at me and feeling like, I don't feel like it. It's just... I just want to, I want to fight with people and I want to be a difficult person and I don't feel like living out my purpose and my calling because it's not always fun. And the, the message that I... The, some of us just think that Christianity is this, uh, this message of like just fun and comfort. And Imagine the early church, the early Christians that were being thrown to the lions in the Colosseum. How much fun did they have? They weren't playing with the cats, guys. It wasn't house cats. It was, it was lions. And so the Christian life is not a life of, of fun. It's a, it's a life of significance. And significance is not always going to be fun. But significance will be rewarding. Significance will satisfy you more than anything else in this world. We're living in a culture where everyone is looking for fun and for comfort. We see this throughout the world. People don't want to be challenged on hard truths. We need to be different to the world. We need to stop compromising and start, stop conforming to the patterns of this world. Embracing challenging truths. Responding to it, knowing that God's Spirit has enabled us to respond to it. And then living out our purpose and our callings. We don't have time to, to, to gripe and complain and compare with the people around us and what they're doing and what they're not doing. Let's live out our purpose and our mission. And your relationships, the strife you're experiencing in them will fade away. Proverbs 13 verse 12. Just before we forget, a good word? Indeed it is. Proverbs 13 verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. Hope deferred. Our relationships are often in a strain because we put unhealthy expectations on them. But more importantly, our relationships are often in a strain because our hearts are sick. Why are hearts sick? Because hope is deferred. What does that mean? Meaning we are hoping in things that aren't coming true. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So it means that in your relationships or in your life, you are putting your hope in things that are being deferred. Things that aren't coming true. And it's making our heart sick. And that's why the purity of the gospel and the message of Jesus, the message of the Bible is so important. So that we can hope in things that aren't being deferred. Who wants to hope in things that aren't being deferred? 
That's good because you are responding to the word which says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if you are hoping in things that aren't being deferred, it means that your heart cannot become sick. Which means that your relationships won't be sick. Because if you've got a sick heart, if you hurt, hurting people hurt other people. Sick people make other people sick. That's how it works in the medical field. If you've got a flu, you're more likely to spread that flu to someone else. If we're just looking at it from a natural uh, biological point of view. People catch what you have. If you have a bitter heart, you rub that off on other people. If you're a negative person, then you're more likely to make other people negative. Now just breathe. You can change your attitude. I can't change your attitude for you. God can't change your attitude for you. You determine your attitude. You determine the condition of your heart. So where and in what should our hope be? Some of you are wondering. I'm glad you're wondering that. Let's get into uh, Romans chapter 5. Where and in what should our hope be? Because we want to hope in something that is, that is not being deferred. Romans 5, 1-6, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And He now declares us flawless in His eyes. How's righteousness transferred to us? Faith in Jesus. Not any other way. There's no other way. There's one way. No way. Yahweh. Amen. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And He now declares us flawless in His eyes. Not because we are living flawlessly, but because we've put our faith in Jesus. So it's a matter of identity. And the more we conform to that identity and we believe that identity, the more it will start reflecting in our actions, in our lives, in our relationships. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what Jesus, our Lord, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access. Say permanent. So we have permanent access into this marvelous kindness that He has given us, a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep us on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. So what are we celebrating? The hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble. Say times of trouble. Some, some uh, of today's Christians would have uh, thrown rocks at stone or rocks at Paul for making such a negative declaration. Right? Because that's, that's a negative confession, Paul. Why are you saying there will be times of trouble? That doesn't sound like the gospel. That doesn't sound like the, the, the fun Christian life that I signed up for. That's a little bit of sarcasm, guys. So just, uh, just bear with me. Um, but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak and powerless to save themselves. This is the hope that is not a disappointing fantasy. The promise of God's spirit that has been made available through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. This is the hope that we get to hold on to. 
This is the same reality that in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, it says that uh, um, be content with such things, or uh, do not be covetous for money, but be content for such things as you have, for I have promised you I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We've got God's spirit. We can be content in and of ourselves because of what God has given us. We don't need to covet what people have. We don't need to compare ourselves with the people around us. When we come to a place where we are content and we have put our hope in this reality that God's Spirit is living in us, desiring to burst from us. When we come to a place where we start living our lives more based on this truth and this reality, our relationships will start taking a different spin. All of your striving, all of your, your bitterness, all of your comparison, your negativity about what that person has and what they were able to do. and what Let's stop being bored and start living out the purpose and the calling of God on our lives. Let's become hopeful in the hope that will not be deferred, which will not make our hearts sick. And, and it's the hope that Jesus came to die for us and now His Spirit is living inside of us. Thanks, Haley, for being excited about that. <laughs> I'm just joking. You don't always have to say amen, but uh, when you say amen, it does help a little bit to uh, realize that you're agreeing with me, um, or at least agreeing with the word, which is important, right? Thanks, Ailey. <laughs> Good stuff. And this has been God's promise from the beginning of time. Because when we put our hope in this, our hearts cannot become sick. God's promise from the beginning of time. It's not a disappointing fantasy, it's a reality. That we get to live in. But we need to become persuaded by this and start living it out. So that our relationship will start flourishing. We're coming to a close. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Second last passage. From the message translation says, In light of all of this. In light of what? In light of chapters 1, 2 and 3. Chapters 1, 2 and 3 is talking about our identity. It's very important to rightly divide the word of truth. Ephesians chapter 1, 2 and 3 is uh, this beautiful declaration of our new natures, what God has accomplished for us and what we've received. Because chapters 4, 5 and 6 is now talking about living this out. And you can't live out chapters 4, 5 and 6 if something hasn't happened to you through chapters 1, 2 and 3. And it explains it to us and it, it uh, ushers in this new birth and the new identity that God has given us. So in light of all of this, in light of your new nature, in light of receiving a new nature, the old is gone, the new has come. In light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here as a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out. Get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily. Pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Selah. Man, we've been called to live out a, a purpose. God's purpose for our lives. Get out there. Run on the road God called you to travel. Which is what road? The road of climbing the corporate ladder, becoming a CEO of a major company, making a lot of money and giving that to the poor and to advance God's kingdom. That will be good if you're giving to the poor and if you're giving to advancing God's kingdom. But oftentimes we, we fool ourselves and we, we do certain things and we put 
spiritual lingo around it and we cover it up a little bit to sound like Bible just to ease our consciences. Run steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. When we are mindful and we're running this race that God has set before us and we're living out our purposes and our callings, it will become easy and effortless to pour out ourselves for our brothers and sisters. And then we will be alert at noticing differences and then quick at mending fences. Oftentimes something happens and I've approached this and really applied this in, in my marriage and I'm thankful for um, the examples that have been set out for me to do this. Um, when I make a mistake, I own up to it very quickly. I don't always get it right. But in my, in my marriage specifically, when I make a mistake, I own up to it very quickly. And it frustrates Catherine sometimes. Because she often thinks that I'm just doing it because I need to do it. But not purpose in my heart to own a mistake and say that I'm sorry. Now, owning up for a mistake doesn't make the mistake right. And it doesn't necessarily change the emotion that the other person is feeling. That's a liberating thought for some of you. Because you thought by just saying sorry, it's going to change the world and everything will be fine. Doesn't happen like that. But when we earn a mistake and we respond to it, we are obeying and yielding to God's spirit inside of us. Delayed obedience oftentimes is just as good as disobedience. Respond quickly. Readily recognize what he wants. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm in the next passage of scripture. Let's go there quickly. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So in relationships, let's be quick at noticing there's something wrong in this relationship. There's some strife. Take inventory and ask yourself, like, did you, did you add value to the strife? Then mend the fence. Do your part. Even if it's just 10%. Take responsibility of that 10% and say sorry. I'll try better next time. Have some grace with me. Last passage of scripture, Romans 12, verse 1 to 2 from the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. So who's helping us? God's helping us. So there's an invitation to do something, but there's also the motivation and the empowering. God helping you. Take your everyday life. Ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, work, and walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Why is that? Because when you embrace what God does for you, when you embrace the love that God has for you, you'll overflow with that same life, with that same love. That's the simplicity of the gospel. It's not about what we need to do. It's about embracing what He has done for us. And it will change your life and your relationships. Money back guarantee. So whatever money you guys are giving today, there's a money back guarantee. <laughs> embracing what God has for us is the best thing we can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. This culture is about giving and taking. This culture is about compromising and, and choosing the easy way out. And, and just let me be who I want to be. And identify with what I want to identify with. All of that ungodliness. Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. It's in focusing on fixing our attention on God, living out our purpose and our calling, that we don't become distracted with all of these things in this world. I spoke to someone uh, Friday morning just quickly, um, and they asked me, so and this might uh, rock the boat for some of you, and they asked me, what do you think about the, the, the COVID vaccine? So we had a spiritual conversation, so we, uh, um, a waitress, we're talking about um, 
scripture and she's asking me some questions and she's doing biblical counseling so she's got a few questions about different verses she's like Listen, so, so what do you think about the, the vaccine the, the, the COVID um, vaccine specifically and um, I was thinking for a moment like uh, because she, she was coming from the like we need to study this out and someone's shared a lot of information with her and it's like this and it's that and it's the, the mark of the beast and like we need to be aware and cautious of this and I was like what's the great commission First, she didn't know what, what that means, which is obviously um, a little bit concerning in and of itself. So the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, which says, uh, Jesus calls his disciples and he calls them to go out into the world to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. That's the Great Commission. That is our calling. Now, where in that calling does it talk about Talking about conspiracies and vaccines and this and that and the next thing. It doesn't. The, the, the gospel, the message of the gospel doesn't include politics, vaccines, this, that or the next thing. The message of the gospel is simple. Jesus died for the sins of the world so that people could be made right with God and have right relationship with Him. There's no COVID vaccine, this vaccine, that vaccine, this thing, that thing. It's simple. People that are bored not living out the calling and the purpose are getting on the boats of all of these different things. There's many distractions in this world. We've been called to run a race. We set our focus and our gaze on Jesus. Let's stop being distracted and let's stop being bored and fall into this temptation of the enemy because we're running around trying to beat fires out and we're not going to the source. We need to go to the source people's hearts, people's salvation. Readily recognize what we want from you and quickly respond to it. Like I said, be quick at mending fences in our relationships. Let's readily recognize what he wants from us and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This doesn't happen by default. It happens by response, by laying down your life. In response to his marvelous mercies and grace. So last week I said uh, an antidote to self-centeredness is Christ-centeredness. And I want to add, being Christ-centered is more than just focusing on Jesus and on the cross. Because oftentimes we have this picture of Jesus on the cross, which is a wrong picture because he's not on the cross anymore. We have this picture of a defeated Jesus. We don't see Jesus in his glory. We don't see Jesus resurrected, overcoming death. And Jesus making the greatest miracle of all time possible for man's salvation or man's nature to be completely transformed from death to life, from darkness to light. Greatest miracle recorded when man receives the Spirit of God. I know it's not that exciting because the parting of the Red Sea is cooler and the feeding of the 5,000 and the raising from the dead, naturally speaking. That excites us. And because we don't see the significance of our new birth is the very reason why we're living like we have not been born again. We need to come to see what God has done and accomplished for us through Jesus' death and resurrection and the callings that He has for our lives. To be partakers of that. Ushering people in from darkness to light. Impacting people's eternities. And we start, when we start living, running this race, our relationships will start taking shape. More life, more health. Just a few quick examples. 
in closing, some men who, who stopped living out their purpose and the impact it had on their relationships. Just quickly, in, in, in just using these three references, and just to, just to carry this point across, like if you're not living out your purpose and your calling, it's going to have strains on your relationships. Life of Abraham. What did he do? He forgot his purpose and his calling and he lied about Sarah being his wife. Not once, but twice. You can imagine what that made Sarah feel like. It doesn't matter what his motivation was. He is telling, imagine I tell uh, you guys, like, oh, Catherine's not really my wife, she's my sister. Now, technically, she is my sister in Christ. In heaven, there's no, uh, neither male nor female, no married. Or, so, you're not, we're not married in heaven. So, technically, she's my sister. Technically, Chris and Michael, they're my, my brothers. But that's not the point. Abram forgot his calling and his purpose, and it affected his relationship. David. He forgot his calling and his purpose. And Bathsheba happened. And it affected his relationship. His credibility to the people. His credibility even to that, that um, Bathsheba, for example, as a man of God, doing such a thing. And then Peter being hypocritical in his life as well. One moment he's, he's acting a specific way. And this is after Pentecost, uh, just to add that in there. Filled with the Holy Spirit, as you are. Getting to write two, two letters in the, in, the, in the Bible, that same Peter is the Peter who one moment with the Jews, he was acting a specific way, the, the Christian Jews, and then uh, another moment with the Christian Gentiles acting another way and being rebuked for that. That had an effect on his relationships because he forgot his calling and his purpose. He forgot his identity and living that out. He got caught up in that and it affected his relationships. So point being, guys, if you want to experience more thriving relationships, and we need to start living out our purposes and our callings. Stop playing around. Stop playing church. Stop playing Christianity and just testing it out. Embrace what God has done for you. And respond to that. You can find more of our free teachings on our website. www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca